הרי אני מקשר עצמי בלימוד זורה הזה לרבי נחמן, בן פייגה, וגם כל הצדיקים המתים שפגרים, וכל הצדיקים המתים שוכנע אחת, מעל המרץ ואול איזה הורים צדיקים, בי אבל פרוטקט אז, פרוטקט אבי סימון פרסון אבי ישראל. אז אתם יכולים לראות שאני לא נורמל נורמל לוקיישן, ותסכימו בי אבי, ווינד, וויסלינג בבקרן, וכל הלאוד נויסס, אני רוצה לעשות את דבר טוער עבור יתחו, שזה קצת מאוד מאוד, אבל כמו שאתם יודעים, אני לא רגילה לוקיישן So I happen to be in Mexico because I came this week for my cousin's wedding, uh, Sammy and Israel. Uh, may God protect them and bless them with a beautiful family in Israel with all the blessings under this earth. And, and hopefully they'll build a bite name on base that I'm making out on. Nonetheless, I want to share some Torah and some words of Torah on this week's parasha, parasha Titro. Uh, because I saw that even though I wasn't normally going to prepare the class and we didn't do the class back in LA, I thought it would be still awesome to be able to send out a quick little video. Uh, because there's so many insane secrets that I was looking at uh, in the Zohar and in the sections of the Arizal and some things that I was reading elsewhere. So I just wanted to be able to share some of those ideas with everyone uh, before we kind of come to the end of it and we can keep some notes of it and, and discuss it there. So it's not going to be that long, but very, very dense and very, very uh, secretive in some of the Midrashim and everything that I learned. So it's incredible. So to start, I was reading in the Zohar on this week's parasha, just generally speaking, even though I'm not going to go into the details of it because it's very complicated, I just wanted to be able to share a couple of things. One, this week's parasha and parasha titul is the parasha, obviously, the Ten Commandments, um, where it's very special to go to the shul and be able to hear the Ten Commandments. But aside from that, it's really special because this week's Zohar section specifically teaches us the... Uh, secrets of how to read people's faces um, and different parts of the body as well but it specifically says the which means which translates to wisdom of the face and it talks about different points of the face right so we'll talk about the lines um, on a person's forehead like if a person like creases you can see how lines are existing the different hairs like from the eyebrows the beard um, well actually beard is in different sections of the Zohar but it talks about it as well the nose the eyes um, the lips and also, of course, the hands. And so different Kabbalists comment from different sections of the world on this section of the parasha and the Zohar. And as he goes through different details, depending on the clarity of the person's eyes, the frizziness or the type of hair that a person has, um, the connectedness of the hairs, if like the eyebrows are connecting and the lines and how many lines there are and how deep they are and what side they are, and the color of the eyes and how profound the blackness is within the eye, it can tell you a lot about a person's soul which is really, really deep, and eventually I'm actually going to prepare for next week's parashah, Mishpatim. Mishpatim discusses all the secrets of Gilgulim, which is reincarnations. So we know that from these sections, as it's incredibly deep, as now the Jews start to get the Torah, now we're going to get very intricate into how the laws are manifested and how the laws are for all the different types of the Jews, um, the Jewish teachings and the things that we follow in the Torah and the mitzvot. But what's really, really cool, because I'm not going to be able to go into some of those details, is I just wanted to share that this is an incredibly profound parasha for that reason. And separately from that, many Kabbalists, like the Ramak, Rabbi Moshe Kordavero, that was in Sfat at the time of Darizal, the teacher in Sfat before Darizal came around, um, he says that there's even things to look at other than those six main comments and those main notes that he, that Shomarachai discusses. Mikubalim from Morocco discussed different sections of the Zohar saying that we're not even going to go ahead and translate this or comment on this because it's so deep and it's so powerful, this Torah. So in general, you know, we would even avoid it because people might be able to take it, try to interpret it, try to think that they're going to teach it, open up some sort of uh, 
hippie den where they're gonna start teaching people about people's futures and their past lives based on the lines on their forehead or their eyes or the different ways people's faces are structured. So while it's very deep and understand that there's a lot of secrets behind it, we learn this because in this week's parasha, when Yitro comes to Moshe and he tells him essentially a point for yourself judges, which we'll get into a little bit on the section of the Arizal, what he was actually doing is he was telling Moshe to help allow other people to help run the nation. And when he wanted to appoint those judges and bring people into power, he, Moshe was essentially taking on the full command because he didn't allow anyone else to do it. He was doing all the work of God at the time. And Yitro essentially came into the picture and Yitro started telling Moshe, well, no, by using the chokhmah of the Pelsuv, by using the different understandings of how to read people's faces, and Hashem showed him a lot of those secrets. As many prophets have learned, Adam Arishon and Yuit was one of the first people to ever know it. Of course, he learned it from different angels. Um, and then you had people like Shlomo Amelech who knew the Chochmah, the Parzuf, and the Zohar goes through different sections of the people, depending on what level and what sphere they come from, what they were able to attain and why they were able to attain it. So Moshe was very special in the sense that he was one of the few people that knew the full extent of the Chochmah, the Parzuf. Other people knew this as well, like the Arizal. Um, anyone essentially that comes from the Neshama of Moshe Rabbeinu could essentially tap into this type of knowledge. And so when Yitro tells him to appoint people, he was essentially teaching Moshe and showing Moshe um, from the other types of knowledge, he's, Yitro was saying, because he didn't even know it to the level that Moshe knew it, but he was, because he knew some of it, he was telling Moshe, use this chokhmah, use this wisdom by using the faces to be able to appoint the people to the right position. Um, and through that, we know kind of how our rectifications work and where our soul comes from and what we need to do. So it's very special. So in the parasha, separately from that, the Zohar also discusses something really nice and really special, which is that Hashem could only give the Ten Commandments and give the Torah to the Jewish people, which is the culmination of what we were getting to as Jews, right? We wanted to be able to get to this level where we were able to receive the Torah and the Mitzvah to connect with Hashem at Har Sinai. But to do that, the Zohar said, is Hashem had to destroy completely the side of the Klippah. Right? So the klipa is essentially the evil forces, the negative energy that exists in the world. And there's a king to the klipa and there's a kon gadol to the klipa. Right? Similarly how there's a good side and there's an evil side, so too there's this um, evil force that was being taken. And the king for the klipa was Paro, as many would assume. And Paro was eventually destroyed and brought to full shuva at the sea. When God split the sea and then all the, all the Egyptians were killed at the sea. And the Kohen Gadol of the Ketipa was none other than Yitro. Yitro was so special and so elevated that he had seen all the other religions and studied all the other forms of black magic and consulted for all them. And eventually, right as it says in the beginning of this week's Barashah, Vaishma Yitro and Yitro heard and he came back to God and he saw that God was the, the, the only God and, and the true God of all the people of the world. So when he did that, he did a form of Shuva by bringing over the Kohanut of the Ketipa, the um, the priestship that is the Kohen Gadol over to the side of holiness. Funny enough, there's other sections in Kabbalistic works that discuss that Arona Kohen, Moshe's brother, who was the Kohen from the Jewish side down here on earth, because the Kohen that the Zohar talks about, that's the holy Kohen on the upper levels, is Michael Kohen Gadol, which is the angel Michael that, that gives the sacrifices in the, um, the Beit HaMikdash. We actually reference it in part of our prayer every single day. So, after this rectification occurred um, with the cleansing of the Klippa, which was essentially with Paro as the king and Tro now coming over to God, um, Hashem at Matan Torah, now God was finally able to give over the Torah. Now you can see this insane process that's happening that now God is finally able to reveal the Ten Commandments. There's a lot of insane things <laughs> that are shared in this week's Parasha, the process in which Moshe goes up into the cloud and then um, he essentially ascends. If you read the Psukim, it's very ambiguous, but there's a Midrash, there's a lot of beautiful Midrashim, 
Midrash in um, what was it called? The um, I can't remember the name of the full Midrash, but there's um, a Midrash that discusses right that that essentially dates back to the the teacher Hakana um, and the Gemara that essentially dictates that, and some people even comment say that this was the Midrash, the Rabati Midrash, um, the Psikta de Rabati, I believe, if that's what it was called, uh, that brought down that this was the Midrash that was essentially the most elevated Midrash that essentially was brought down from the, the conception of Moshe Har Sinai. And there's other Midrashim that come from the Torah Mi Sinai because all of them are essentially from word of mouth that we know from the Chachamim and the Gemara. But this was such a special midrash that I I, I, sh I propose sharing it anyways with this with this Tvartua because it's so incredible. And so it says that when Moshe, when the cloud descended and it's kind of ambiguous and Moshe entered into the cloud and didn't know what to do, it explains this process where Moshe entered into the cloud and split. The cloud then went up into the higher spheres. It essentially went up to the first firmament level, which is called Rekia. When Moshe exited. And I'm not going to go through all the details of it because there's so many deep secrets and names of angels that I'm just going to avoid it. But just to show you the wonderment and so much incredible Torah that exists in this week's Baasha, it's just to show everybody how, in fact, one thing that I really learned when being able to read this Baasha was that I realized how little we actually know and how much uh, Hashem runs the world and how, how small we are in that whole process. And so you'll see that by some of the stories right now with some of these angels. When Moshe exited this cloud and, and went to the first level of the firmament to, to eventually go receive the Ten Commandments and get the Torah from Hashem, he had started walking essentially at that level of the first firmament and he eventually encounters this angel. This angel, I'm not going to say any of the names of the angels, um, the angel um, is considered a destructive type of angel. So he's an angel that um, can proceed either for Gvorah or from the side of negative energy. Uh, but they all essentially do positive actions unless they, they pull from their side of the klipa. This was one that was an angel that, that specifically had destructive angels working under it. And I think it had 12,000 angels specifically working under just this angel. And he's saying, what, uh, essentially argumentative with Moshe because he's saying, what is a man doing amongst us? And this isn't yet the section of the Gemara that discusses the fact of how angels are arguing with Moshe and saying, what is a man doing amongst us? because that's a separate Gemara that we're not going to discuss right now. And it's also brought up in Nikute in Lesson 1 of Book 2. Um, there's the whole section that discusses what happens when Moshe goes up to get the Torah. Maybe we'll do that uh, another time whenever I connect it back to Parashat Yitro, because I think that would be fantastic. So this angel um, starts going back and forth with Moshe and is essentially has this bruised ego of what is a man doing here? There's no man that should be able to be able to walk amongst the angels and the Holy Spirits. And Moshe says, I'm coming to accept the Torah. The angel doesn't want to accept the fact that Moshe is invited upstairs to be able to go accept the Torah from Hashem, and he doesn't want to let Moshe pass. Moshe uses one of the names that's written on his staff and completely destroys this angel that's controlling over 12,000 angels. Just to show you the degree of, of spiritual power that Moshe is pulling from, and obviously with the help of God, nonetheless, an incredible story just to start this thing off. After Moshe passes this angel, he continues walking towards the direction of being able to eventually be able to go receive the Luchot. He eventually encounters this angel that is said to be 500,000 times the size or so of that first angel, just to show you the magnitude. If you could almost even imagine an ant standing next to a human being, the amount of, of shock and the amount of awe 
just being in that type of a presence. At this point, Moshe started to encounter angels that were incredibly great and incredibly elevated. Like I said, I'm not going to say any of the names of these angels. Maybe I'll make a note of it in the, in the description, but I, I'd rather not for now. And this angel puts Moshe into a position so much that he's so overwhelmed that he begins to start to pray and scream out to Hashem. Eventually, Hashem comes to help Moshe. The angel said, you know, to Hashem that we didn't know that there was a person amongst us and Hashem is saying, I invited him into my palace and you're the one that's not allowing him to enter. Since he said, I didn't know that you had invited him, the angel said, now instead of me becoming one of the angels that works for you on behalf of being able to take care of the world, I'm going to make sure to be his servant. And this angel takes it upon himself to help guide Moshe all the way through the direction that he needs to go until he needs to get to the Torah. He eventually gets to a place by being followed by this angel where he goes and he meets another angel and right before meeting that angel. Mirash says how this angel was even greater in by, magne, by magnanimous size compared to the first angel that he said, at this point I need to stop here because this next angel, just its breath, can completely destroy me. Even though this angel was already thousands of times larger than the other one and that one was already destructive and that one was already doing things above that level. When it got to this point, this angel left Moshe because it went for as far as it can go. When Moshe came to encounter this next angel, this next angel was so overwhelming that he began to get even more overwhelmed than the first time. He started calling out to God and said that God came down again and protected Moshe and allowed for him to pass as this angel. He created almost a barrier and this is why with this angel, um, eventually Hashem had allowed for him to be able to pass and then allow him to get on to the next stage. It goes through a lot of other circumstances. I'm not going to be able to share all of them, but just to give you some of the background and the Midrashim to show you how beautiful this is. Um, he eventually gets to a place where he gets to Nar Dinar, right, which we, re we reference as a river. But this discussion also is that Nar Dinar is also the name of an angel that is made up of the sweat of all the other angels. And this angel is so overwhelmingly large as well, and strong, and powerful, and omnipotent, in the sense of spiritual realms that Moshe again began to cry out and pray to Hashem. And what happened was Hashem did something very special in this moment, where Hashem created a separation. And this is why when we read in the 13 million Zachamim, we use the word Vayavor, Hashem Bana Vayikha, and Hashem created this barrier and He creates this separation. And that is the separation that Hashem created as Moshe was able to pass through this river, right? As some say even references in Kabbalah that it was a river of fire, that it acts almost as a river to be able to separate, that Moshe had to pass to be able to go on to, um, to go with the Ten Commandments. He eventually reaches also another name of another angel. It was actually named by another name, but it was none other than Malach Raziel, which is the angel, one of the early angels, and one of the angels that's known as the angel that as he spreads out his, as his, his wings to be able to protect all of Israel and to be able to protect people through prayer, this angel as well. Um, was in the, one of the last steps of the process before Moshe came before Hashem. And each one of these angels, a lot of them, there's different types of angels and different types of creations. These ones, you know, can have breath of fire. They can destroy wolves, which is fire, just one breath, as the other angel was able to be destroyed by just this angel's fire. So it's incredible. And so until the point where he got to this, this last area where it was only surrounded by destructive angels um, that pull from, obviously, the sides of Kedusha and the will of Hashem because they, could, they protect the Kisek Avot. The, uh, the chair and the throne of glory of Hashem. And from that throne, 
and that's when we have the story in the Gemara where Moshe comes in front of them and Moshe is overwhelmed by the fact that their breath is going to potentially kill him and Hashem says, hold on to my kise and through holding on to the kise then he was able to be able to respond to them and tell them that he's here to accept the Torah and then many people comment and say, you know, the Torah obviously was made for humans, it was not made for angels because obviously whenever it says honor your father and mother, for example, then angels can't do that because they don't have father and mother, so etc, etc. And so through a lot of those beautiful ideas, we're able to see some of the the incredible magnitude of, of the expansion of the world, the degree of the world, and, and to see to what extent Hashem created all these different types of elements and how they work in unison within the world to make everything happen. Um, so for me, that was really eye-opening. And as I was learning that, you know, I started reading that in, in conjunction with the Arizal, and also from a book that's called Likutei Shoshanim, from the teachings of Rav Shimshon, um, of Ostropoli, who's a massive Mekubal, wrote teachings of, he wrote and commented on the teachings of the Arizal, passed away in the year 1600, and changed, I think, 1640s, if I remember correctly. Uh, a very, very, very special soul, died as a martyr, uh, was from Eastern Europe, in Poland area, and he writes a phenomenal, phenomenal um, commentary. And so I'm going to pick up on that commentary in just a second as I begin to explain a different Mithrash that says that as we have discussed in the Zohar, we had to nullify and we had to cancel the Kripa uh, that came from the evil forces to be able to give the Torah. Now, back when the Jews were in Egypt, the, um, the ministering people that were helping out Baal, they saw in prophecy in one of the stars in one of the Mazalot, they saw in one of them that was called Ra'a Resh Ain Hay, they saw that the future of the Jews, when they would go out to the desert, they were to receive blood and they would be destroyed, right? And so they had this weird instance that the Jews thought that they were going to be destroyed through some evil forces, and that's what Paro was trying to pull a lot of negative energy from to be able to overcome that. That will become actually significant in some references later, but I'm not going to focus too much on that. The reason why I bring it up is because Paro has the name Ra'a in it with the Pei in the beginning, and that's why Moshe, when he received this prophecy at the age of 80 by the burning bush to then go to Baal is the same numerical value of 80, which is the pe, which is the mouth, which is why Moshe had a speech impediment to correct and fight um, the evil energy of Paro and the Mazal that was in that 275 parshiot, that's why there's 275 parshiot in the Torah, sections in the Torah, and to be able to fight and negate that negative energy in order to be able to help bring about the Torah. So you have all these combinations of ideas brought down in the Midrash and the sections of all these negating forces that need to be prepped to bring down the Kippah in order to be able to accept the Torah. So as the Jews are trying to do this process, we, the, you know, the Kippah is being slowly destroyed. The Jews are entering into holiness and preparing themselves, as we said a couple weeks ago, with the Mana and Beshalach, that they had to, uh, they got the Mana and Hashem provided for them in the desert and all the miracles that occurred with there and after the splitting of the sea. You now have this, this situation where you have these negative forces that exist in the world and all of them are trying to be negated one by one. Beautifully, Rav Shimshon says that the four mashritim that we know of, the four negative uh, ministering angels that are acting as destructive angels that, that bring harm to the world. And the reference to this is in the Shema when we read it every single, every single night. In Arvit, we prepare a tefillah after we do the that little couple sentences, that paragraph that we read, is referencing the names of the four angels in a hidden way because the four angels, the four mashkatim, um, are 
as we do it in the in the in the pasuk, right? We're just gonna have beruach hum yachaper avon. Avon, avon um, essentially is is correct in the first one, which is the one of avon. Um, the second one is going to be lo yashchit. Yashchit is a reference in the words to the angel of mashchit, which is the one that comes from that side. It's the second one, and each one of them have positive angels that correct and counteract these negative angels. Um, comes from the one of Af, which is the fourth, which is the third one. which is the one of essentially fire and anger, right? This is a play on Chema, which is also anger, as we said, um, is the fourth one. And so when we read this in Avit and we say these this pasuk before we begin the Avit, and that's why it's very important mystically to do Avit immediately after Minachan, as soon as you can, the second you can do it, even before the stars come out, is because when these evil angels come into the world at nighttime, we want to negate those evil forces immediately, so we repair that with this phrase, and we try to help bring the protection into the Nishama for ourselves and also for the world. Now, what's beautiful about this is that Rav Shimshon of Ostropoli says that if you look at Yitro in the middle of the parasha, when he comes, like we said with the Zohar section about how he told him to appoint judges, Rav Shimshon shares this beautiful concept. He says, if you look at the words, it says that he told him to appoint judges by the thousands, and then he says, by the hundreds, and then he said, in 50, Hamushim, and then he says, in Asara, right, in tens. So what's the point of naming it and why does the Pasu go through that structure and name you all those things? What he says, which is fantastic, is that if you look at the Rashi Tevot, the first letter of each of those words, Alafim, starts with an Aleph, which is repairing the first, the Mashkit of Apple, which is the Aleph one. Then if you go to Mea, which is a hundred, you repair Mem Mashkit. Then if you go to the third one, which is 50, which is Hamushim, right? Then our Hamushim talks about what? It talks about the one of Chema'av. And the last one, Asa'a, which is corresponding to the tenth one, which is Eser, which is Asa'a, which is time to appoint the judges in tents. So all that comes together in Nikute um, Shoshanim, which the commentary that he had discussed in the parasha. Similarly, similarly, the Arizal goes through different ideas in the Swiss parasha. We know that the Arizal shared a lot on Gilgulim in different types of sections of his book. Obviously in Shah Gilgulim, his book on reincarnation specifically with Rav Khan Vital, they discuss the different sections of Gilgulim and how people can come into Gilgulim and stuff like that. But we know that this week's Parasha, Moshe and Yitro were both Gilgulim of Kain and Heaven. And Kain and Heaven were the two brothers and the sons of Adam that had come to the world and one had killed the other and there's different commentaries as for the, the, the sole reason why that there were many reasons one is that they were born and Hevel had two wives and Kain was only born with one wife essentially as, as the twin sisters when they, before they began to procreate and unfortunately um, Kain ended up killing Hevel because he had an extra wife. This is why the Aizal states that Yitro goes and gives purposefully a wife to Moshe, obviously his son-in-law, and gives him Sipora to be able to correct the sin of having taken a wife from his brother in a previous life. So too, also, the Midrash and Be'ashit in that section says that there was a question that was asked that they were discussing between Kain and Neville before they passed away. And beautifully over there, the answer that the Arizal gives is that there was a question that was not answered. The Midrash says that the question that they were going back and forth on between each other was that as Hevel was passing away, 
Kind said that there was no God, there is no judges, there is no anything that exists in the world, essentially declining all the belief fundamentals of religion, of Judaism. And because he never did correct that, and Hebel said, no, there is a God, there is a purpose, there is things for that we're doing, and the words are written specifically in the Kamala, and I don't know the exact words in front of me, so I don't want to say the wrong ones, but that's more or less the idea. When Yitol comes back in the same passage, and he shares in this passage that we not only learn the Chochmat HaPasuf, from the Zohar, we learn from the beautiful idea about negating the negative energy in the Mashritim because he told came back to God. Now we're also seeing another added level, which is that just as he said that there was no judges in his past life, now he's coming back to say there are judges and he's teaching him how to appoint the judges to help bring about the salvation of the Jewish people. So really beautiful ideas from Arizal. And there's more, but I just wanted to share some of these ideas. You know, all of these things kind of come a little bit full circle uh, generally speaking, whenever you see all the Jews standing at the base of the mountain, being able to show that they are one heart, one mind, one soul, Jews being able to accept the Torah. In fact, there's a beautiful commentary that says that when the Jews went to the sea, they didn't, um, the sea didn't want to split originally for them. And so I believe it's in Midrash that says the reason why I want to split is because Hashem had a deal with the sea when He created the sea in the beginning of the time to say that you were going to split. But the sea specifically didn't split because when Hashem said to split it, He said, this isn't what you showed me when you told me to split the sea in the future. You showed me one soul, but now I see hundreds of thousands of souls. The calculation goes that, you know, if they had all the men as calculated in the Torah, about 600,000 at that time, when you add the women, the children, and the elders, you would have a calculation somewhere around 3 million. So they had all these souls that are showing up to split the sea, and the sea didn't want to split because he didn't recognize a singular soul. Funny enough, I think we have part of that correction whenever all the Jews stood at the soul, uh, stood at the foot of the mountain as one soul. And that's why it's beautiful, is that you can see that in this week's parashah, all the commandments and all the teachings and everything that's brought down is spoken directly to one person. The wording for it is specifically made that as if it was catering to one single Jew. And the point of it is, is to show you how there's a unique and individual path for every single Jew to come back to Hashem. And that's what's really beautiful about the Torah, is that no matter what, we're the only religion that had a mass revelation of prophecy to be able to show an experience that shows that godliness exists and that we have a doctrine that we believe in that's from heaven. And aside from that, aside from that heavenly revelation, everything is individualistic, everything is personal, everything is unique. That's why we discuss so much in some of the Hasidut classes in the breast of Hasidut about how there's a connection to Hashem's oneness and there's all this stuff about Hibodidut and being able to do mitzvot with the right intentions because every Jew has a tikkun, every Jew has a rectification, a kibbul, that they need to do something specific for themselves. So it's amazing to be able to see all these kind of very deep secrets kind of coming together full stop in this week's Ba'asham so that the Jews are able to be able to receive the Torah and come and come to Hashem and Matt. Um, I'm trying to think if there's there's anything else I want to uh, to share with you guys on this week's parasha. Um, you know, I, I don't have anything. Um, you know what? We'll leave it at that because I'm sure it's probably disturbing with a lot of the sounds that are going on and, and all the noise. Uh, but um, with that being said, I, I hope that Bezat Hashem, with, with some of these words and some of these secrets shared by these holy tzaddikim, that we have the merit of being able to uh, hopefully 
focus on ourselves and, and, and our connection to Hashem and, and be able to connect with Hashem and fulfill the Torah and the Torah the right way that we can and hopefully then we collectively group with everyone in a way that we become one huge soul and do Tikkun Ulam in a proper way to help bring the Mashiach Bezat Hashem Nana Achman Achman